middle-aged couple was uh, driving through town, and uh, the lady looked over and noticed a couple in the uh, in the truck next to them that was obviously very much in love. They were squeezed together in the front seat. She was all snuggled up next to him, and uh, they were just uh, you know like one body, two heads kind of thing, right? Just this. And so this this uh, lady um, who's noticing them turns to her husband and, and draws his attention over there and says, Honey, do you remember when we were like that? And he kind of looked over and then uh, he looked at her and he kept on driving and after a second he said, Who moved? Sometimes the uh, the honeymoon phase doesn't uh, doesn't last. Uh, there, there are a lot of things in life where we get all excited when we start off and, and we're all energized. Marriage is, is one of those things. It's this wonderful, uh, uh, mushy, uh, emotional feelings and everything's great. And uh, But somewhere along the way, uh, it, what was cute becomes annoying, right? No, don't testify and don't say yes. Nobody is allowed to, but just in your head, maybe Maybe this rings true. The honeymoon doesn't last forever. The same type of thing happens in a lot of areas of life. Uh, a, a new job is exciting at first, but over time you realize that really it's work. <laughs> it's still a job. Uh, we get jazzed out about, uh, jazzed up about a new workout routine or a, a new diet and, and we're all excited until about the third or fourth day and then the excitement kind of wears off and it just gets hard. Uh, for, I mean, by this time of the month, uh, January 28th, right? Uh, you've probably, if you made any New Year's resolutions, you've probably, uh, forgotten them already. Maybe not, hopefully not, but, uh, but, but many times we start out all with all this excitement and all this energy and all this stuff. But then that excitement kind of wears off and things get pushed by the wayside. And unfortunately, that happens in our relationship with God, too. I, I hope that you've gotten motivated this month uh, in, as we've been focusing on these on spiritual disciplines, on, on taking the next steps, the things that we can do to help us grow in our relationship with God. And, and they've been talking about things like prayer and, uh, and, and uh, reading our Bible, studying our Bible, uh, worship, uh, fasting, uh, these spiritual disciplines, anything that we do uh, that, that helps us grow in our relationship with God, practical things that we're disciplining ourselves to do so that we can grow in our relationship with God. And they're not they're not necessarily difficult things, but they take intentionality. We we need to we need to think ahead for these things and and be intentional. And so I hope that you've been inspired to start or to to deepen some of these uh, practices in your life so that you will uh, continue to mature in your relationship with God. Uh, but I have to acknowledge that inspiration, just being inspired only takes us so far. The pep talk comes on the heels of a whole lot of training and a whole lot of practice and a whole lot of hard, difficult days and a whole lot of stuff that's gone into uh, the fact. The, if if, if uh, just if somebody came up here and gave a big pep talk to all of us and then we were supposed to go out and win a hockey game, maybe some of you we we'd be relying on you guys right there. You you two we we, we yeah 
you Abram boys, you would win us, uh, bring us through to champion. But uh, we, there's a whole lot of practice, a whole lot of training that's involved. It's a lot more than just inspiration. Uh, that that is true in our spiritual lives. There's, there's these spiritual disciplines that, that that we have to have in place and that we're practicing over time. It's not just inspiration. There's there's intentionality involved. There's hard work involved. But but even even uh, uh, even being inspired and then having a having a plan in place, uh, practicing those. disciplines, disciplines isn't isn't just enough because there still has to be some adjustments uh, that, that 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 happen because things get difficult and the excitement wears off now no matter uh, what you might think of the New England Patriots uh, and just so we're clear I have three favorite teams uh, in the NFL the Browns the Kansas City Chiefs and whoever is playing the Patriots those are my those are my three favorite teams so you know who I will be rooting for next week uh, in the in the Super Bowl, but you have to admit, uh, I with some uh, I don't know hesitation, I guess I, I still uh, have to admit that the Patriots are one of the modern day uh, dynasties in sports. Right, uh, been to three out of the last four Super Bowls. One of the one of the big reasons for their success, other than uh, the the star performers that they have and their 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 coaching and all of those things, and we could go into all of that as to why. But but I think one big thing is their adjustments that they make. Make along the way, whether in game and especially at halftime, uh, once they they play a half and then they go into the locker room and they notice all the things that the other team has done and the the uh, the obstacles that they've thrown up in their way, the defense that they've thrown, and and then they then they come out with a with a different plan for the uh, for the next half. And so instead of giving in, maybe they're down. Uh, just this past week, I was excited because they were losing, and that was awesome. And once again, good old Brady brings them back, right? But uh, but because in, instead of giving in, they they adjust and they keep pressing on. And next Sunday we'll see the Patriots take on the Eagles, and it'll be exciting for both teams to be there, and and they'll be inspired, and the emotions will be high. And usually in the Super Bowl, the first quarter or so is kind of a throwaway because they're all excited and everybody's not really playing to their best. But then they'll kind of settle in and they'll buckle down to business, and they'll use they'll rely on their training, and they'll make adjustments along the way. And uh, even though the Opposition is great. Uh, whoever adjusts best through those obstacles will win. And that has to be the mindset in, in our relationship with God. You see, we could, have, we could have easily ended this series last week. Uh, we, we were excited about starting this year off right. We're practicing spiritual disciplines. We're training ourselves to be godly. And, and maybe you are off to a good start. I, I hope and pray that, that, that you are, that, that you're praying more, that you're reading your Bible more, that you're, uh, in a life group, that, that we're, you're, you're wrestling through some of these things. You're implementing some of these things. You're, you're, you're growing. You're serving. Uh, but what I've learned from my life and, and, and my experiences over time, and from listening to, to people over the past 25 plus years in ministry, uh, I have learned that merely inspiration and even having a plan isn't necessarily enough because there's opposition out there that doesn't want you to do this. When God wants you to build, what, what God wants to build, Satan wants to battle. What God wants to build, Satan wants to battle. So you've, if you've just started the habit of studying the Bible or, or, or praying each day, you need to know that the devil hates that and he's going to throw up some obstacles to knock you off your feet spiritually. And, and since he is the, the father of lies and, and deception and he, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's trying to twist things and uh, to, to, to knock you off, to, to bring those obstacles in your way, um, 
He's, he's, he's going to try to twist what the truth is in order to deceive us and to get us off track. And so today I want to spend uh, some time walking through some of the rather subtle myths that, uh, that, that tend to discourage us as we're walking in these, in these uh, spiritual disciplines and, and attempting to grow in our faith. See, the devil's going to want us to either give up or at least slow down in our pursuit of God. But if we can see these deceptions for what they really are, then we'll be prepared and we can keep going strong. It's more than just emotion. Uh, relationships are, are hard work, even, uh, even with, with Jesus. And so we, uh, we wanna, the first, first myth that I want to look at is the you've lost that loving feeling myth. You've lost that love and feeling. Now, you've probably seen it, Maverick and his wingman Goose singing rather badly, I might add. Uh, you've lost that love and feeling to Kelly McGillis' character in the 1980s classic Top Gun, right? If you haven't seen it, I don't know that I'd recommend it. I'm not sure it's all that great. But uh, in this, that song, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, whoa-oh, that love and feeling. You've lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone Gone, gone, whoa, oh, 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 right? I mean, that's, that's, that's some great, cla- the ver- it starts off with a verse and it kind of tells how you can tell, right? You, how can you tell that someone's lost their love and feeling? Well, they never close their eyes anymore <laughs> when they kiss, right? And there's no tenderness in their finger. There, there are certain things that you can tell that, 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 that love and feeling has disappeared, well, sometimes we lose that love and feeling in our relationship with God. Revelation 2 talks, uh, uh, seems to talk a little bit about this. Um, the, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to churches, in this case, in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, to speaking to the church in Ephesus. And uh, first off, starts off saying all the great things that they've been doing. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles and are not, and you found them false. You have persevered, you have endured hardships for my name, you've not grown weary, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. For all Christians, all followers of God, there will be times when you don't feel as close to God as you did before. You're not as excited about waking up early to read your Bible. You honestly would rather check your email or your social media feed than, than, uh, than, uh, than, than dive into uh, an extra few minutes of prayer. When that happens, then there's this guilty feeling and somehow along the way you feel like, man, I've forsaken the love I had at first. Maybe I just don't love God like I used to. I've lost that love and feeling. It's at this point, I think, that the devil would uh, step in and try to take us one step further and and put even more thoughts in our head, like maybe God isn't as close to you as before. Maybe God really doesn't love you. Maybe this stuff doesn't really work. Maybe this whole Christian thing really isn't for you. If you're not feeling it, then you shouldn't fake it. Just step back from this whole thing. In Revelation 2, uh, I think we can read that... uh, 
a, a little bit off perhaps because the, the word for love there in Revelation 2 is the word agape. And uh, that's, that's the word for love that is, is, uh, is love that's more than just an emotion or a feeling. It's love that's a choice, choosing to love someone, choosing what's best for another person, uh, that, that, that you're, you're, uh, you, you love them and it's not just about feeling. And, and so uh, in Revelation chapter 2, the Spirit is not saying you just don't feel the same way about God that you used to. Uh, basically, in, in, that can be translated in Revelation 2, you've stopped making the choices you did before uh, to, to make knowing God and serving others a priority. You've, you've, you've actually chosen not to. And it's not talking about this emotion, oh, I've lost this, this feeling, but it's I've really turned my back and I've said no to God and turned away. And that's what the Spirit is talking to the Ephesians about. Uh, that totally makes sense if we think about a, re- a relationship, a, a marriage. Uh, I mean, there are times in marriage when you're just not feeling it. And um, again, don't testify, don't don't nudge anybody, don't do, we're just, we're just being real here. There are times when, 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 I mean, we don't have to go into details, but the emotion isn't always there. Does that mean that we throw in the towel and we just give up every time we're just not feeling it? Well, some people do, I guess, but, but, uh, uh, I think after 25 plus years of marriage, I can probably say that I know a little bit about that love is, is more of a choice and less of a feeling. And, and so we need to recognize that the same is true in our relationship with God. Uh, we choose to love God even if that wonderful, emotional, warm, fuzzy feeling isn't always there. There will be times in your relationship with God when maybe you're just not feeling it. You get tired or you get frustrated. Maybe you're even angry. Uh, reading the Bible seems dull. Your prayers uh, are, maybe they don't even seem like they're hitting the ceiling, let alone heaven, right? And so, uh, I mean, I think, we can relate to that. I can relate to that. Uh, it, it's not all honeymoon and roses. So in those times where you don't feel as close and, and you're tempted to, uh, to, to take a break from some of the spiritual habits that you've learned, that's exactly the time when you've got to do the opposite, when you've got to press in even more, when you've got to choose to do those things. The most important days to spend time with God are the days when you're least motivated to do it. What I've found hundreds of times is if, if I can just follow through on making time with God a priority, uh, even when I don't feel like it, it builds that foundation, it builds that habit, and, and, and God shows up in, uh, in ways we can't even understand. So don't believe the myth. Uh, just because the feelings aren't there doesn't mean that you should give up. The, the I've lost that love and feeling myth is just that. It's a myth. The, the second one I want to look at today is the spiritual comparison myth. The, the, and again, these are all uh, taking something that is true and then uh, turning it just a little bit. And, and so uh, I, I want you to, want you to, to, to hear how that, how that subtle deception happens. The spiritual comparison myth. The, the primary ways that we learn, uh, um, how to grow in our relationships with, with, with Jesus are, are through reading the, the scripture, uh, applying, uh, the Bible to us, to our, our relationship with God, uh, and, and also looking to other, other Christians. We, we go to, uh, uh, go to groups or go to a class or come to a service like this and, and we hear, uh, and see other people and, and we learn from them. And, and, and God absolutely wants us to, uh, to do that. But as we do that, many times it's easy to fall into a, a, a comparison trap and the devil off, often whispers in our minds, well, you're not doing enough. Or you're not as committed as so and so. Or look what they're doing. You're not as spiritual as them. A major problem with that line of thinking is that God has created you uniquely you. 
And there is no one else quite like you. Nowhere in the Bible does it said that, say that we need to be uh, uh, amazingly awesome at every spiritual discipline all of the time. It gets a little out of hand when we start comparing ourselves to some of the spiritual giants in history. I mean, Martin Luther uh, got up at 3 a.m. every day to pray for three hours. He said, I don't have the quote in, uh, right here, but he said something about, I have so much going on in, in, the, uh, in the day-to-day that I, there's no way I'll make it through if I don't spend three hours in prayer first. And, and I look at that, and that's supposed to inspire me, right? But that might just depress me more than anything else. Well, I can't do that. I must not be very spiritual, Right? We, we don't have, uh, we don't spend as much time as so and so, or, or, or I don't share my faith like, uh, like a Billy Graham crusade, or, or, uh, then I feel guilty when I don't do that, and, uh, my Bible isn't marked up in the margins with highlighters and, and gel pens and all that that all you guys use and everything, then, then I must, must not be doing it right, and I must not be as, as, as spiritual as everybody. But when we stop comparing ourselves to other Christians, we're finally free to focus on becoming the unique person that God created us to be. God created you to be. So don't fall for Satan's lie that you have to measure up in all the spiritual practices of, that everybody else is doing. And, oh, they're doing it this way, so I better do it this way. And I'm not saying just give up and, and I'm, I'm just going to live a mediocre life. That's not the, but follow God's desires for your life right now. And what are the things that, that he wants you to do that will be best to grow you spiritually? Back in the day, uh, NBA star Shaquille O'Neal, um, on the side, put out a, uh, couple of rap CDs. Uh, now, I don't want to make fun of anyone, and I know I'm biased because the term rap music in my mind is an oxymoron, but, um, I think that maybe Shaq should have stuck to ba- basketball. I mean, he had, I'm not going to play anything for you today. I'm not sure it's even appropriate, but, um, uh, songs like Shaq Diesel and Shaq Fu, The Return and What's Up Doc, Can We Rock? And I Know I Got Skills, there with a Z on the end. I mean, I'm just saying that this seven foot one center who was rookie of the year and NBA all-star won four championships and played for 19 seasons. Maybe he should have stuck to basketball and not ventured into the rap <laughs> segment of the uh, entertainment business. I'm just saying maybe Shaq wasn't made to rap. In Mark 14, verses 8 and 9, Jesus is anointed by a woman with a shady background. And some of the Pharisees who are sitting there are grumbling about this uh, this uh, sinner that has come into their midst. And Jesus said this in, in verses 8 and 9 of Mark 14. She has done what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. She has done what she could. It wasn't up to anyone else in that room to come in there and to anoint Jesus' feet, but that's what she needed to do. Uh, I don't know, I'm just joking around a little bit about Shaq and all of that, but, but we need to do what we are created to do, and we need to be good with God despite what everyone else is, is doing. And sure, we can get pointers from other people, and we can see what works for them, and, and we can take that to heart, but we, we don't necessarily need to compare ourselves because many times that leads us down a road toward uh, discouragement and, oh, I'm not as good as so-and-so. God doesn't call you to do everything everyone else is doing. So do what will help you grow. Uh, do what works for you. Don't fall into the comparison trap. The, the third myth is the serial recommitter myth. <laughs> this is uh, 
uh, again, takes, a, takes something that's, that's a really good thing and maybe twists it just enough to, uh, to, to make it uh, a negative instead of a positive. As we mature in our faith, there will be times when we have setbacks. And maybe, uh, maybe you thought you'd move past that temptation and then it's, it's right there in your face and, and, uh, you can't hardly, uh, resist it or maybe you don't resist it. Or, or maybe you thought you'd, uh, you'd, you'd done really well in your habits and, and, uh, your spiritual disciplines and then you realize that, you know, a week goes by and you realize you haven't even picked up your Bible and you, oh my goodness. And, 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 and so, uh, you, you, you're, you're moving along with all that. And at that point, the devil might whisper a little lie that actually sounds like it's coming from from God himself and it says well you just need to recommit yourself and the lie is not that you should never recommit yourself the lie is that recommitment alone is enough well just just commit again Romans 12 1 and 2 says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The passage starts off telling us how our whole lives should be worshiped for God, not just when we're singing in church on Sunday. Uh, and then in verse 2, he, he, he walks through how to practically do that. First, he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Uh, in other words, uh, God says, follow my way, not the world's way. Seek holiness, not sinfulness. Uh, seek, uh, seek my ways, don't seek your own ways, your selfishness and the things that the world would pull you into. Now, I would guess that all of us at some time or another uh, have, have struggled in some way with uh, conforming to the pattern of this world, being pulled toward uh, the ways that the, that the world moves and works, the people that, uh, that, that, that are not followers of Christ. And when we fall short, the, the devil's lie is that all we have to do is make, another, make a commitment to try harder next time. And the problem is that We've done nothing to, to change anything, and so the next time turns out the same as the first time, and so then we, well, I'll just, I'll just double down and recommit again, and, and maybe everything's okay for a little while, but then, then, uh, we, we fall short in some other way, or we're pulled away, and then we recommit again, and, and, uh, and, and that's kind of what happens with our, you know, diets or our New Year's resolutions or those kinds of things. And if we keep failing over and over again, when we're making recommitments at some point, we say, well, what's the point? I'm just going to fail again anyway. I'm not even going to mess with it. And that's one of the first steps many times in someone walking completely away from God. And so it's not just about I'm going to make a recommitment but then not change anything. Uh, but uh, instead, uh, well, I think we can get a little bit of hint there from Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We can't recommit ourselves into spiritual growth, but we can renew our minds into spiritual growth. In other ways, as we've looked in this series, we can train ourselves to be godly. Uh, it happens when we're, we're intentionally filling our minds, uh, filling our lives with, with God's wisdom, with God's truth, not the world's wisdom and the world's truth. And as I've, as I've told you over and over again, uh, these disciplines take intentionality. And so we fill our lives with God's thoughts and we fill our lives with God's ways and, and we change what we think about. We change what we dwell on. We change what we spend time doing. It's not just, I'm gonna, okay, God, I'm gonna follow you and then I'm gonna go back and do everything that I've been doing the exact same way I've been doing. We've got to be transformed as He renews our mind. And when that happens, then we're able to test and approve what God's will is for our lives. It's more than just a recommitment to do better or to try harder. 
that can lead us down a path toward discouragement. Uh, The fourth myth I want to look at today is the relax and get comfortable myth. No, don't relax and get comfortable. Keep listening. It's okay. You don't just... God has a plan for your life and he has uniquely shaped you and called you to live that out and the most peaceful place that you can live is in the center of God's will. But that should never be an excuse for not continuing to grow. Uh, We can get comfortable in that sometimes. Well, I'm following what God wants me to do and I'm doing what he says and and so uh, life is comfortable. And at times it's easy to think that we've gone, done the hard work and we've walked with God for a long time. So, so now we can, I don't know, now we can coast. And at times I think we even get to the point where our spiritual lives become, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this, but it becomes a little bit boring, right? We're not bad, we're just boring. I don't, I don't ever want to get there. I think I've been there sometimes. I don't ever want to get there. I, I think the devil can, can take the excitement off of our spiritual lives, uh, stealing our joy because of, maybe because of the monotony we get into. Well, I'm going to get up. I'm going to read my Bible again today and I'm going to pray a little bit. And, uh, yep, it's Sunday morning. I'm going to church and, and it's kind of predictable and boring. All those things are great things, and yet, yet many times we kind of slip into a coasting pattern. John 10.10 says that the thief, meaning the devil, comes uh, only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have it more abundantly. Sometimes the, if the thief can't make us bad, he'll make us bored <laughs> or comfortable. Jesus came so that we can experience life to the full. And that's not about coasting. So we can't fall into such a rhythm in our spiritual practices that we never explore other ways to encounter God. And there are dozens of, of, uh, this could just simply be uh, trying other spiritual disciplines that you haven't tried much or if at all. Maybe it means, oh, I'm going to see how I can experience God in this. Or, oh, I'm, you know what, that book sounds interesting and I think that will stretch me. And that will, and, and I don't know, I've noticed that that any time I'm growing, it's not comfortable. Uh, growth is 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 difficult. I, I remember in uh, in high school, freshman year of high school, I was getting I was playing sports, playing soccer, and and getting these these pains in my in my knees, and and uh, it was uh, I mean it's, it basically it came down to, and I don't remember all the big uh, medical terms, but it came down to the fact that I grew a whole lot in a little bit of time. And uh, everything was kind of catching up, and I had to wear these big old braces on my knees, and it was kind of, you know, bad, and uh, looked stupid, and there's Pete running out there, and his legs are about this big around, and, uh, uh, but it made me that much more awesome, just kidding. Many times through that growth, and that's really what it was. There's still stretch marks on my knees where, uh, where I, uh, where, you know, everything grows really fast. And, and yet that made me stronger and able to perform better and all those kinds of things. Uh, anytime that we're comfortable, we're probably not progressing. And so, although we need that peace of God that transcends all understanding to guard our hearts and our lives, we're right where God wants us to be, it's probably not going to be this comfortable, easy, I'm going to kick back on a soft pillow and, and relax kind of 
kind of experience. God wants, wants us to continue to push ahead, to continue to grow in our relationship with him. We can be uh, right in our relationship with God today, but hopefully next month and next year we'll be even closer to him as we're growing and we're learning and, and we're maturing and continuing to mature with him. God wants us to, to, to continue to uh, reach out to others, to continue to, to care for people, to continue to serve in his name. He wants us to grow in how we interact with him and he wants us to step out of our comfort zones. Uh, I, I believe it was around that time, maybe uh, probably sophomore, junior year in high school, and I went to uh, Young Life Camp, um, uh, Windy Gap in North Carolina. And it was, it was a great experience, did a lot of new things uh, with, a, with a, some great people, a great group. And, and one day I, I uh, had signed up to go with the group to go do the high ropes course. Um, and, uh, so they had some woods, some pretty thick woods around there. And, and so we, uh, maybe you've done something like that, or you've probably heard about it for sure. There's cables and, and all these different, uh, obstacles and different things up in the trees, you know, 20, 30, uh, 3000 feet up in the trees, whatever. Right. And so, uh, so you, uh, you have to maneuver through and through that you're trusting the other people in the group and, and you're working together. And of course you're all safe and you got the harnesses in and you got your carabiners and you're clipped in twice. So you're never unclipped from everything. You're always clipped in somewhere as you're moving along, and it, you know it's a it's a it's a fun thing. You're conquering your fear, and you're learning to uh, work with other people, and all those kinds of things. And I, I mean, I've never been fond of heights. Um, I think that's okay. They say I've read just recently that there are two fears that you're born with: the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. So it's okay if you're afraid of heights, because and I'm not really afraid of the heights. It's that long drop that's really the big deal. But, um, of course, we're, you know, we're all harnessed in and everything's good and, and it's kind of exciting and, uh, you know, the, 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 the little bit of fear is, is part of it and, and yet you overcome that and, and they hadn't told us but, but at the end of all this, after we'd been monkeying around in the, in the, in the treetops for a couple of hours, the end thing to do to get out of this thing is not just, okay, we're going to climb down the, the little ladder and we're done. It's a 30 foot free fall, uh, swinging out across a, uh, a, a, a uh, a clearing there in the woods, and so they attach you to the cable, and they uh, they you drop, and then you swing, and they unharness you on the ground, and then they pull the rope back up, and the next person goes, and one at a time. I watched as the people in front of me clipped in uh, that last rope, and they took a step, and they disappeared, <laughs> and I could hear screams, whether of delight or terror, I'm not sure which, and then it was my turn, and I stood precariously on the edge of that platform and our guide is right here and she's sh- pulling the the rope up and and uh you know I'm you know it's I mean it'd be like being on the top of the church here and then just kind of dropping off and um but you know there was grass at the bottom so it's not a soft fall but um so you know clip you in and okay she says whenever you're ready just don't jump just take a step just take one step one step and you're down. One step and your life is over. No, one step, one step to excitement and joy and all. 
I was glad that they weren't like, you know, and there are other people up there and they're all like cheering for you and encouraging, it's okay and you can do this and, and, uh, and, and they weren't like pushing you off and that's a good thing. Uh, they, they waited, uh, for, for me to be ready and, uh, and, and so I remember standing there and, uh, waiting and trying to get the, get the nerve up and I'd stood there longer than most people had, had stood there and, uh, ultimately I had to make that choice to take that step off that perfectly safe platform into the unknown of the uh, of the land below and trust the people that had set this whole thing up and trust the strength of this thing that had had uh, had worked for everyone that had gone ahead of me and trust the guide who was telling me how to do it and and I had to stand there and work through all of that and finally I took that step and the first 20 feet are just a free fall as the rope slack catches up to you and then you swing out across and and uh and I have to say that there were screams um, of delight or terror. I'm not sure which, but uh, but it it uh, it was anything. It was I don't know. It was it was exciting and it was terrifying and it was exhilarating and it was exhausting. It was anything but safe and comfortable. Let me say that. Uh, author and speaker Michael Hyatt, uh, in referring to a similar experience in his own life when he was stretched uh, uh, physically like that, uh, he, he says it this way, We don't often enjoy these things when they are happening, but looking back we have to admit three things. He says, uh, this is where the growth happens, this is where the solutions are, and this is where fulfillment resides. In short, the really important stuff happens outside your comfort zone. My hope and prayer is that these spiritual disciplines will be great ways for you to live an amazing adventure with God. If, if you let this uh, happen, uh, if you are practicing these things, they are tools not to get you into a comfortable place with God where you're just, okay, everything's nice and calm. But it's, a, it's an adventure. It's, it's far from safe or predictable or comfortable because the real important stuff, eternal stuff, growth stuff, happens outside your comfort zone. So in uh, coming weeks, this, uh, this series is, uh, is over, but that doesn't mean that you're just off the hook. Now I don't have to pray anymore, right? Now I don't have to read the Bible anymore. Now these disciplines, that's, that, was, that was last month. Now we're moving on. No, this is hopefully kick-starting a lifestyle of an adventure with God where we're growing more in relationship with him and we're, we're, we're coming in, in tune with him more and, and, and we're, we're, we're uh, understanding what it means to be uh, a child of God and we're, we're growing in our faith. Don't get sidetracked by the obstacles that the devil might throw in your path. You won't always feel it. The emotions are going to come and go, but that's okay. Keep it up. And, and don't get caught up in what everybody else is doing. Let God guide you through this adventure with him. And it's more about, uh, more than just making a commitment. You've got to work the plan. There's a plan. You've got to work the plan. It's not just, okay, I'm going to commit and try harder. And don't get comfortable because the important stuff happens outside your comfort zone. God gives us so much more than just an inspirational halftime's pep talk, uh, hoping that we'll be inspired after the honeymoon is over, even when you're not necessarily feeling it, lean into what he has for you. Lean into these, these practices. Lean into uh, what he wants for you in this adventure of life with God. Let's stand together. Father God, we thank you for this joy of living life with you.
We thank you that we are on an adventure with you, that you desire us not to just to get, uh, get bored or, or even sidetracked or just get comfortable in our life with you, but that you want us to, to be challenged and to grow and to mature, to walk faithfully. Lord, I, I pray that if there are things that, uh, that, are, that are coming between us and you, that we can deal with those things even in this moment right now. That you would point things out where maybe habits we need to stop or practices that need to be shifted or changed or maybe practices that need to be started. Lord, I pray that we will seek you out, that we will make the time for you in the course of our days. And Lord, I pray that that as we go from here today, that we will go uh, not only just emotionally inspired to to run the race that you have for us with excellence to dig down deep and to, but not just to be inspired but to, to, to be training ourselves to make the hard decisions every day to grow in our relationship with you thank you that you desire that relationship and you desire us to grow Lord we love you take us to places we could never dream in Jesus name <laughs>